0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
2: It is Wednesday and we missed you guys at the beginning of the week, but we're back and we're ready to go. This is Finsider Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jake Mendel and it is Wednesday, which means Joshua Houts, Merrick Brave are both joining me today. We got the Twitter goat in Josh. We got the fake ass doctor in Merrick. Gentlemen, how's it going today?
0: I'm doing well. I figured you guys skipped Monday because you just couldn't bear the thought of a podcasting without me anymore. (laughs)
3: yeah we felt incomplete but the real reason was i could not get the baby to nap worth a darn so jake and i just punted and said why not do this with merrick because i'm sure we all have a lot to discuss after this 24 16 loss to the minnesota vikings
2: and that's that's kind of the key here the dolphins suffered their third straight loss uh this one coming at home their first home loss of the season it was a pretty depressing loss when all things considered you know you keep in mind that five penalties in a single drive is the most by a team this season uh you've Consider that there's two quarterbacks going in and out of the lineup, and it was just that Jalen Waddle fumble that was an absolute gut punch, and I'm sure he feels a lot worse than we do. So guys, I I thought the best way to kind of describe the show is, let's just take some Pepto and move on. I don't think if we're all going to be sitting here, we're obviously queasy, that game was gross, but I don't think by week 12 we'll all be sitting here and thinking, wow, that Vikings game is where we started to become doomed.
0: Yeah. And I predicted a loss to the Vikings. Um, but I, I actually kind of left that game feeling somewhat optimistic about the future of the dolphins. Mm-hmm. I mean, before the game even started, we got word that Tua had been cleared and he was going to play not against the Vikings, but against the Steelers this Sunday night. So there was a little bit of uh, you know, pep to our step from, from early Sunday morning. I think that news might've broke Saturday night, but uh I predicted, I think on the record, I said 20, what was it? 28 to 13. So mm. I, I predicted a, a 15 point loss and it ended up being an eight point loss, but it was relatively close. And I think if the dolphins were healthier, they would have walked away with that game pretty, pretty easily. If Tua plays, if Teron plays, if Austin Jackson plays, you know, if, if somehow Byron Jones can, rise up out of his sarcophagus that he's currently in. uh, You know, I think we could have taken that one against the Vikings. So we're heading into a stretch of games that, you know, it's the NFL. So you can't guarantee wins in the NFL, but we're heading into a stretch against some, you know, some would say weaker teams, easier teams. And that starts with the Steelers this Sunday. Dolphins are three and three. If they can rattle off some victories here, they're right back in position to, to grab a playoff spot and maybe do some damage when they get there. So hopefully the team is facing the early season adversity. They're getting it out of the way now. They can find a, a way to get healthy later on in the year and, and they can do some damage when it matters most.
3: Yeah, maybe we should have expected this, though, when the Dolphins started 3-0 and to lose three straight. This game, like you mentioned, did not leave a bitter taste in our mouth, really. I guess what was so surprising to me is that the Dolphins dominated the time of possession, 35 minutes, 29 seconds, to 24 minutes, 31 seconds. Normally, when you do that, you know, you end up winning the game. So, um, again, I came away feeling pretty good about this. I thought throughout the game, the Dolphins played pretty well. We saw the defense step up. We saw Skylar Thompson. I mean, he looked pretty decent when he was out there, 7-13, 89 yards Teddy Bridgewater threw 329 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I thought he looked decent, too. I mean, his one interception was a waddle drop in traffic. Yeah, and you really can't blame anybody for that waddle fumble other than waddle himself. So I hope the Dolphins can build upon this. Hopefully, you know, this is the last of those losses, and we can ring off a couple victories here. And it starts this Sunday, like you mentioned, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we will be wearing our throwbacks for that game.
2: That's right. And the Dolphins scored 13 points in the fourth quarter quarter. It really started to feel like a, a fun game until uh late run by Delvin Cook sealed the game following Waddle's uh, fumble. Merrick, when you were talking about how, you know, you mentioned a bunch of ifs, I kind of have the feeling, you know, I you both might not be with me on this but as someone who uh, has played his fair share of video games and talked his fair share of junk on xbox live this felt like the dolphins you know were sitting there like all right i let my grandma use the controller it's my turn now and that's kind of what we're gonna see this week you know greg glittles your grandma skyler tops it's your grandma and now everything's just a little updated but guys i felt for jaylen waddle i was very upset i mean he's been such a fun player to root for and I think we can kind of say that was his worst game of his career. And even when you say that, it's kind of crazy because he caught six passes for 130 yards. Uh, The turnovers were a little tough, but overall, man, I think he's going to come back and scorch earth moving forward. Yeah, and God forbid you criticize Jalen Waddell
0: on, on Dolphins Twitter, uh, or else there's going to be a, a, a diatribe from someone who who's ready to to execute you for, for saying that, Jalen Waddle contributing to two back-breaking turnovers could have been, I don't know, maybe the reason why the Miami Dolphins lost a one-score football game. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, nobody is giving up on Jalen Waddle. At least I'm not. I know you're not, Jake. You're not, Josh. Nobody on this podcast is giving up on Jalen Waddle, and and anyone who's a true Dolphins fan, they're not giving up on Jalen Waddle. He's still a superstar player. He's still on pace for over 1,500 yards. Receiving this season, and that's with playing with three different quarterbacks. And you know, Tua's back this Sunday, and fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever else I need to do. Uh, hopefully, Tua stays healthy throughout the rest of the year, so that improved quarterback play could even see him get more than 1,500 receiving yards. So Jalen Waddle will bounce back; he absolutely will. But to sit here and say that you can't criticize someone for dropping a pass, which directly leads to an interception, and fumbling the football away when the Dolphins were only down six points on the Vikings' 14-yard line with Crazy. a little over four minutes to go in the game. like, And I'm supposed to sit here and say nothing about that? I'm not supposed to say, hey, man, I think Waddle's fumble might have cost us this game. And there were other contributing factors, but yeah. if you're going to point to one play – in Sunday's loss to the Vikings as the reason why they lost and you can only pick one waddles fumble is the one you're going to pick. It was the mortal Kombat finisher. Yeah, absolutely. And, They did. Dalvin finished the Dolphins off just two plays later when he took it to the house for a long rushing touchdown. So, I mean, the defense could have stepped up and we could have still had an opportunity, but the defense should have never been put in that position in the first place because Waddle should have held on to the damn ball. And with the way Teddy was slinging it in that fourth quarter, there's no doubt in my mind we would have went in for the touchdown and hopefully, fingers crossed, Jason Sanders would have made the extra point and we would have taken a 17-16 lead with less than four minutes to go.
3: Yeah, Dolphins Twitter is fidgety like that. They don't want you saying anything negative about any of their players. But, I mean, you could have absolutely pointed the finger at Jalen Waddell. I personally think he was just trying to do too much at at some points. You know, that Mm -hmm. crazy – I mean, as soon as he – he was looked so frustrated, man. You definitely felt down from him. He slammed his helmet. You know, he looked like he had tears in his eyes at the end of the game. But I think we can all agree, you know, this isn't going to define him. He's going to step up. And with Tua coming back in the lineup, I mean, you mentioned he's on pace for 1,500-plus yards with three quarterbacks. When Tua's in the game, I mean, Tua's targeting the hell out of him. Was it not one game earlier this year? I think Tua targeted him like 17 times. I mean, that is Tua's guy. He loves to go to him. And, um, you know, without Waddle, I I know there is some uncertainty. I think he messed up his shoulder after that, what, 49-yard pass. Mike McDaniel did say today that he believes that Uh, Jalen Waddle will play on Sunday. So we should have him back. You mentioned that back-breaking Dalvin Cook touchdown. I don't know if you guys rewatched the game, but that was absolutely 100% on Javon Holland. He came down, should have fit in that hole, you know, made a tackle for six or seven yards. Um, I I don't want to say it looked like he maybe made a business decision, but he has to make that stop in that key situation. So um, some things here and there to improve on, but um, again, it's week six. There's nothing to sit here and say, you know, the season's over, doom and gloom. But again, got pulled all back together this week against Brian Flores and the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: So the Dolphins are fifth in the league in terms of yards per play. And and both of you noted it. I mean, Skyler looked pretty good when he was out there. And Teddy Bridgewater, when he first came in, he was like trying to start a snowblower when it's negative three degrees out there. You just have to keep pulling the crank and hopefully he'll get moving. Uh, eventually it did get going. But guys, I thought it was really interesting that we hear... Hear a lot of coach talk but the one thing that I absolutely bought from Mike McDaniel is how important the preparation is for each week because Skylar Thompson looked like a completely different quarterback I think he had like a 90 89 grade on PFF something like that just another metric to kind of look at and guys let's just talk about this first quarter before we move on before we chug that entire bottle of Pepto and move on to the Steelers 109 yards in that first quarter compared to the Vikings having twelve. The, the drive where Miami had five penalties, I thought it was impressive. I think they converted like a third and 20 just to get it called back to like a third and 30. It's like they had a play for everything. And that was so much fun to watch. I know it's frustrating to see all the flags, but I think what hurt the Dolphins more is the fact that McDaniel had to unload his entire chamber on one drive. All those plays you're pre- preparing all week, they're all of a sudden out the window. So I think drives like this are you know awful, but I think with a more experienced quarterback, you can kind of have a little more of a playbook and not just stick to, you know, the six you have in the chamber. So to me, I mean, I just, I had a blast seeing Mike McDaniel uh, kind of doing party tricks. It's like, all right, go, go chug a, a, third, a 30 pack on third down. And he just did it time and time again. Yeah.
0: And I think that drive alone is kind of a microcosm of the entire dolphin season so far, right? Dolphins start out three and Oh, everybody's feeling good. You know, on that drive, the dolphins are moving the ball. Well, Skyler's hitting deep passes to to multiple different receivers. Uh, they get in, in, in scoring range. And then just like the dolphin season after going three and Oh, they've lost three in a row. Now they're three and three. And on that drive, we get in scoring range and then it's penalty after penalty, after penalty, after penalty, after penalty. I had to say it five times because there were five penalties on that drive. That's how just frustrating that drive ended. So it's over. It's in the rear view. We can move on from here, but they do need to clean those penalties up. I think there were 10 accepted. Those are just yep. the accepted ones, 10 accepted penalties for nearly a hundred yards on Sunday against the Vikings. And you can't win in the NFL when you're playing sloppy football like that.
3: No, not at all. And I think it goes back, you know, I want to know what Mike McDaniel and this coaching staff are doing. Cause it seems like the fundamentals are getting lost, right? We talk about tackling and how important that is, how pretty brutal the dolphins have been at tackling. Now you're mentioning the penalties and how they were drive killers. Correct me if I'm wrong, it was another drive where River, where he escaped pressure and hit River Craw- Craycraft for the touchdown, and it got called back, or was that the same drive?
0: Yeah, God. no, I think
3: that's
2: the exact same drive.
3: Jeez, I, I, was, ho- I was hoping it wasn't. That's, that's brutal.
2: <laughs> so, it's important to note here, the Dolphins are 28th in the NFL, averaging 7.2 flags per game. Josh, I like what you said about the tackling, because I think tackling is a concern. I don't know if penalties, we should really panic... A lot about yet. Yeah, let's let's consider the fact the Patriots started Bailey Zappi on Sunday and they had twelve penalties and they absolutely dominated their game. So I think that's also you know the give and take of it might have just been bad spot at the bad time for the Dolphins offense this week.
0: Yeah, and you know to your point, Josh, I I do wonder if Mike McDaniel's laid back style maybe contributes to uh, more penalties being called on his team. He's not that kind of hard nose, you know jerk that's going to get in your face and scream at you when you mess up like that. So I'd like to see them address that moving forward. But to your point as well, Jake, it wasn't the reason they lost. It was a contributing factor, but there was a whole lot of contributing factors on Sunday, but even so 10 penalties, three turnovers, you know, the, the untimely turnovers, you're not going to win like that, but it was still only a one score game. So that's why you leave that game feeling somewhat optimistic about the future of this 2022 miami dolphins team
3: you got to feel a little optimistic about what no egg benogany did too right i mean we talk about all the the injuries to the secondary you know byron jones we don't know if he'll ever come back right but no egg benogany i mean he, he finally looked like maybe he belongs in the nfl he did give up that big pass interference play with uh, adam thielen early in the game but um he came back from that was almost in thielen's pocket the rest of the game it seemed and had a couple pass breakups so um you know Darth Cater, you know, Keon Cross, and their availability is up in the air for Sunday. We need Noah Benogany to step up now. You know, Nick Needham's on the IR. Byron Jones may never come back. What did you guys think of Benogany's performance? Because, again, I think this might have been one of the better games he's had since being drafted in first round.
0: Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think he played well, but isn't this classic Dolphins fan right here? We spend months upon months upon months trashing Noah Now we need him, though. Now we need him. <laughs> <laughs> and he has one, like... Now solid we learned how to half. put on a
2: little makeup and get in the right lighting. <laughs> yeah. He has one solid
0: half of football, not even a spectacular half, but a solid half. And we're like, there he is. That's why we picked him in the first round. Here we go. We're going to lean on Noah and he's going to be uh, the savior to our uh our season in the defensive back room because Byron's out and Crosson's injured and Kohu's injured. And I do, I don't want to, you know, I'm laughing about it now and I don't want to take it away from his performance, but he did, he did play well. I just want to pump the brakes a little bit uh, before we, you know, jump on the Igbenogany bandwagon here.
3: That'll be your 50th Jersey. Is that what you're saying? That's going to be your 50 uh, (laughs) number 50, 22 year old, no Igbenogany.
0: Hopefully I don't have to pay by the letter.
2: Are you at 49 jerseys right now?
3: I don't know how many he's at. I'm Fort- just rounding up. I have to be way over, right? <laughs> I guess 40, 44.
2: If you want to be jersey. real cliche, that 50th one should just be a 72 on it for the 50-year anniversary of the 72 team. 72 I think with the undefeated, you know, nameplate. And just to pull it back to Igbenogny, this is kind of, uh, if you go back to our book clubs in the summer, this was kind of the workout plan we had for Igbenogany. It wasn't always going to be pretty, but he's going to get opportunities. It's football. Everyone gets hurt. He showed something and guys, I'll I'll say this. I don't know if this is possible, but if he needs to be on receivers that are over 30 years old to look good, I think they can scheme that for the rest of the season. I think that's pretty okay. I take that at this point, considering all the injuries.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, there are a lot of injuries. We fake ass doctor report. We did not see Keon Crosson or Cater Kohu at practice today. Um, which leaves us with Xavier Howard. Thankfully, uh, he made it through that game healthy. That leaves us with Noah Igbenogany. That leaves us with, I believe, Justin Bethel, who is a special teams ace. He's playing slot corner now. Um, and then a trio of, cor- or excuse me, a trio of safeties uh, who can help in a pinch at the cornerback position as well. So it might be time to start looking at the waiver wire, see who's out there, or, you know, the trade deadline is on November 1st. Maybe we can make a move for for a cornerback or even an offensive lineman, maybe a running back. There's plenty of people out there rumored to be available via trade. And uh, I think once the Dolphins traded away all those picks and paid all that money to Tyreek Hill, I think they signaled that they feel like they're in win now mode. You don't do that move if you're not ready to win now. So if you're ready to win now, you should probably consider making some more moves and uh like the Rams did last year, just turn around and say F them picks, baby. It's it's time to rock and roll.
3: I think that's what the Tyree Kill said, right? When they uh made that trade too. Didn't he say F them picks? So um I actually had it at the very end of this pod about who the Dolphins should make a trade for William Jackson's, you know, one of those guys that's n- names been thrown around. We've heard the rumors of Christian McCaffrey and Cam Akers. So um, I think the Dolphins, if they were going to make a trade, you got to, I think you'd have to solidify that cornerback position or even the offensive line has been banged up. You know, Craig Little, Liam Eikenberg. My God, man, Liam Eikenberg was brutal, but let's try to get, stay with some of the positives. You know, Mike gets sicky he he was on a milk carton for a little bit, right? There are trade rumors still surrounding him, but this was a big game for him. Six catches on seven targets, 69 yards, nice, and two touchdowns. So nice. um, give your guys thoughts on that because uh, we saw Mike Gasicki look like, um, I don't want to say the game-changing tight end that he is, but he made some plays, and without those, the Dolphins wouldn't have been in this one. So what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no Durham Smythe for this one, so maybe an expanded role for Mike Gasicki because he had been conceding snaps to Smythe. Um, But he looked good and he looked like the big bodied red zone target that we had hoped him to be at the beginning of the season. You know, nobody's going to nobody's going to confuse Mike Kosicki for, you know, an all pro tackle out there in regards to his blocking ability. Uh, But what he does well is catch the football. And on Sunday against the Vikings, he did that well to the tune of two touchdowns. So if we can get maybe not that exact production, every game going forward, but similar production where he can, you know, make the big catch on third down, make the big catch in the red zone, score a touchdown, you know, every other game or so he does have a place on this team. Um, And unless you're going to get one of those big name cornerbacks Offensive lineman, you know, maybe he's included in a package for Christian McCaffrey because I heard, I heard, I heard the goosebumps raise on your arms when you started talking about that, Josh. I know you want McCaffrey so much. Uh,
3: yeah, he's but... always been one of those guys that I just have a, a man crush on. That if he ever lands in Miami, that'll be a jersey I buy for sure.
0: Oh, for sure. But, uh, you know, maybe he gets included in a package for one of those guys. But if not, I think he's more valuable on this team in uh, a receiving role than he
2: is, you know, say, trading him for a fifth round draft pick next year. You know, so I got to give two people flowers. Obviously, we started like a Kasicki. I think that was an incredible performance, but. It was also a double-edged sword because he said afterwards he will stop doing his gritty, which is just downright disrespectful. I absolutely love seeing other, you know, receivers. It sounds like they actually get legitimately mad seeing him gritty like that, and that, that's kind of yeah. why I love it because he just—he is a golden retriever. He just hops around. He's smiling. The tail's wagging. Oh, man, I love Mike Kasicki on my team. And the second person I got to give flowers to is Joshua Houts because Josh, you shared this incredible quote, and that was only the first domino. Uh, Mike is came out and said this, uh, you have to maximize the opportunities when you get them when they present themselves. I try to do that today. But that's been unfortunately the storyline people talking about me fitting in the office. Do I fit? Do I not fit? It's not about me. It's not about me when I have one catch for one yard and we win and it's not about me when I go whatever the heck I went today. <laughs> I love that. But to me that that's kind of the mentality you're looking for I think that's probably the most thorough like well thought out team answer we've heard from Gasicki and I think it's it's I don't want to say it's a lazy topic but the fact that we're like does he fit in the offense I don't know he just caught two touchdowns what else does he have to do to fit in the offense I I think they're I understand where all the points are coming from but I also think at the end of the day like if you're a team that is throwing the football like the fifth most in the league you can still go get a great running back. It it just seems like it's something we want to talk about just because, but in reality, I think we've seen that progression throughout the entire year. I think he even had some nice blocks on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I think his mentality is very admirable. Um, You know, team-first mentality. And for a player who... Is on the franchise tag. You know, he's making a, a good amount of money this year, 10.99 mm-hmm. million, but he probably would have made more if he signed elsewhere in the offseason. Uh, and a player who still his future is up in the air. He's angling for that big money contract. And right now he only has 17 catches through six games on the season. He only has 170 receiving yards. Through six games on the season. He he does have the three touchdowns. So that's that's a good mark there. But for somebody who's angling for that high dollar contract in the offseason, you'd kind of understand it if he came out, came out after those games where he had one catch for one yard and the Dolphins still won, but he was frustrated with his role. But that's not what we've seen from Gesicki so far. Ultimate team player, and I gotta commend him for that.
3: Yeah, I got to echo what you both are saying. I mean, this was, I, I saw that quote and I just was kind of like, damn, like that's what you want. That's the kind of player that you want on that's your team. My and you, that, Yeah, that's my, that's my tight end, man. I mean, he does everything right. He could have, if he really wanted to. I know a lot of people said he had no case, but I mean- when you look at where he lined up in the slot, how much, you know, he could have sat here and tried to push for, you know, the wide receiver tag. If you really want to be a cancer, you know, he could come out after each game, like Merrick says, when he only has one reception and talk bad and say that he wants to get traded, but he doesn't do any of that. He's the perfect uh, pro. And again, we're going to see some days where he only catches one ball. And then we might see some where he has six catches for 69 yards. I'm going to keep saying 69 yards, but um, nice. to your point, Jake, if you're going to throw the football that much, you know, you talk about how, um, Mike McDaniels, this mad scientist, this you know, this mad genius, you should be able to find a way to uh, get Mike Kosicki touches, right? I mean, utilize him as that big-bodied slot if you have to, you know, when the opportunity arises. So I, again, love this quote, and I don't know if you want to set it up, Jake, but – Teron Armstead uh, quote tweeted: "This it. is where you deserve flowers. Yeah, this, right is where, this is where I guess this where I deserve flowers. Uh, this is why there's no panic over here." He said, "We put the work in and live with the results. We will get back in the winning column, and then we have to make it infectious." Fins up. So, um, you know, Taron Armstead tweeted been- you saying, "He quote, that. He quote what,
1: tweeted
2: damn. your caption wow. of Mike Kosicki's quote uh, tweet with this, which I think is is the coolest thing ever, Josh. Josh Sorry, I had to paint that picture Josh, for you." Josh,
3: what's it like to be famous? You're not, it's not famous. It's it's Twitter, man. You said it yourself. If I say anything bad, people will be upset, but this was one of the coolest things that's probably ever happened to me on Twitter. And um, to me, that sounds like Teron Armstead should be, you know, maybe he should be ready to go this weekend. Right. I mean, he's sitting here saying no panic over here, work in, live with the results. We're going to get back in that win column. I hope we see him out there, you know, honoring the 1972 team, wearing that 72 Jersey. I mean, you know, who
0: else hopes to see Teron Armstead out, there on Sunday to a tongue of Iloa to coming back from having his brain scrambled like a, a dozen eggs on nationally on a nationally televised game Thursday night football the the media crapping their pants every five minutes and, and tripping over themselves to to talk about player safety yet ignoring everybody else who suffered a concussion that Sunday you know we need Teron Armstead protecting to a we need and man where are we you know, October 19th, 2022, where we need Austin Jackson back on this offensive line. Like, like if, if this line's healthy and two is back, sky's the limit for this offense. It really is. Skylar's the limit. Skyler. limited. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Skylar is limited at practice today with a four fingers on one hand.
2: To kind of wrap us up here before we go to break, I'm going to keep us kind of going off the rails here. I'm going to go full Charlie talking about the mail. Um, Do we see a bit of a tug of war happening between the Dolphins and and Gasicki? Do you think maybe there's something about just Gasicki straight up wants to be, obviously wants to get paid, but stay in Miami. Do you think he's acting like this at all? Because Merrick, you wrote about it today on The Finsider. The Dolphins are listening to trade offers. Obviously, we've heard for years about listening to offers, and we shouldn't really over-exaggerate that at all because you're always listening. Everyone's always available. Your ears are open. But do we see any of that where Gusecki's where trying to pull himself back in while Miami's like, ah, I don't know, something like that?
0: I don't know. You guys live in the Northeast. Would you rather live where you live, or would you le- rather live in Miami, Florida? Don't Especially right <laughs> especially right now you it's, see my it's only up. october it's very 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 cold and it's only going to get colder and then that snow's going to start falling here pretty soon if it hasn't already uh, i'm originally actually from the northeast as well so I-, I could speak on that plus it's damn cold here in iowa uh so yeah i mean i could see him wanting to stay in miami it's the team that drafted him he seems to have great relationships with the coaching staff and his fellow teammates and he, he wants to stay in Miami. Now, can Miami afford to pay him what he's worth? Probably not. And then, much like we talked about earlier, does he fit the system? Blah, 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 blah. I don't know if he fits the system. Does he? Does he not? I'm not sure. For someone who's a pseudo fit or or if you're unsure if he's a fit, and then you have to turn around and pay him 13 to $14 million a year, ooh, that's a tough ask. Glad I'm not the one making the decision on that.
3: Yeah, that – I mean, the queasy meters going up when you mention how much he's going to get paid to be what the third, maybe fourth target in this offense. So um, I think you might be right, Jake. Maybe the way he's handling this also, you know, probably appeals to other teams. You know, like a he's not there, you know, pouting and he's not about what his role is. You know, he's being a perfect team player. Why don't we go out there and make this move? Um, I hope somehow the Dolphins can find a way to, you know bring him back in, lock him up. But you mentioned 13 million, <laughs> Merrick. You know, the Dolphins have him on the franchise tag this year for what, is it 11, I think? So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know how it's going to, I mean, you, I don't know what a long-term deal would look like. Then you got to pay Christian Wilkins. Zach Sealer just signed Drew Rosenhaus, so he's going to get paid. I mean, the Dolphins have a lot of decisions to make on these young players. And unfortunately, again, if he doesn't fit the system, if he's only going out there and putting up, what, you say, 15, 17 catches through six weeks, he has three touchdowns, but I just don't know if he would be a long-term fit here, in Miami, and I went back to the whole fit thing, and, and it completely ruined everything I said earlier about making it work with Mike Gesicki. So well, I don't know, I'll, Jake.
0: I'll tell you what, Mike Kosicki, uh he may not be having his best season, but he's certainly having a better, better season than Cedric Wilson and Hunter Long. <laughs> and Cedric Wilson was signed to be the slot receiver, and he's getting paid six mil this year. That's I'm interested. Just
2: just, I, I can't. I can't really say anything about him until like he had the rib injury or. Here come the excuses. He had the rib injuries early. Tua got her. I I think if you're really going to have an impact player behind Tyreek Kill and Jalen Waddle, I think it you need a, a good quarterback to do that because I think you know Skyler whoever it may be, uh, it, Tyreek and and Jalen as much as possible. Look, so now i he's I, conceding I'm snaps, but
0: he's conceding snaps to Trent Sherfield and River Craycraft, and that's fair. Uh, that's where you start to get worried. So, I mean, if Tyreek and Jalen are are getting more targets than him, sure, yeah, okay, that's 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 fine. But at six million dollars, if you're now being outsnapped by Trent Sherfield and River Craycraft, uh, now we have to have some conversations. So, I heard Green Bay's looking
2: for some receivers. I was just gonna say, let's trade him. Can't we trade yeah, him for you for know Gasicki? Gasicki <laughs> and the Packers would be the biggest cheat code of all time. I think that's like the perfect fit. Sorry to cut you off, Josh. Keep going.
3: Oh, no, you're good. I was talking about and Cedric Wilson. I, I can't even imagine Mike Kisicki <laughs> there with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I know a lot of us used to joke he's going to end up with the Chargers, you know, and catching passes from Herbert. So I don't know where Mike Kosicki is going to go. Hopefully he continues to do what he does in the Miami Dolphins, find a way to lock him up long term. Let's head into a break. And when we come back, let's wrap things up. Talk about Tyree Kill, Miami's health, and what's next as the Dolphins head into Sunday night's matchup against the
1: Pittsburgh Steelers. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay.
3: Just go to com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4/3/2023. Void wherever hit. Here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at fritolaysnackat.sbnation.com.
2: Guys, breaking news. Tyreek Hill is really good at football. I just think we have to talk about this for a quick second because despite three quarterbacks despite what three games where the starting quarterback didn't finish the game he leads the league in yards after his 12 receptions and 177 yards on Sunday I'm a mess easy for you to sorry he's second in the league in receptions he is the only player in franchise history to have 10 receptions for at least 150 yards twice additionally he did it a third time in only six games to me man Someone was in my mentions saying, yeah, it's because Tua's not Dan Marino. I don't don't know how that's where that conversation went. But Tyree Kill, it's pretty damn impressive that no matter who's that quarterback, this guy continues to be an absolute stud, top receiver in the league. Yeah, maybe the most
0: impactful acquisition the Dolphins have made in my lifetime. And that's not hyperbole. I truly believe that. And it's only been six games, so... You know, again, I'm back to knocking on wood and crossing fingers and crossing toes. If he stays healthy, man, I Can really cross do him. think I, I really do think he has a shot at Calvin Johnson's single season receiving record. I think that's like 1,964 or something like that. And he's on pace for 1,986, uh, somewhere along those lines. So if he continues at this record setting setting pace, and you had an article about that this week on the FinSider, P-H-I-N-S-I-D-E-R dot com jake i believe uh i do think he has a shot at that and to us coming back that improved qb play will only help him achieve that goal
3: yeah and we do have to mention that he will be playing an extra game most likely than megatron did i think you know, we're up to 17 now so he'll do it in um, 16 yeah he's gonna do it in 16 um but i think what's been most impressive not only his impact on the field but again what he's meant to that locker room you know just listening yeah. to him talk you know every week listening to the way he goes to bat for his teammates you know talking to pumping up to all all season long. So he could come out here and be the player that he is. I mean, um, he's been everything that we could have hoped for and more. And it's just crazy. Cause when you think about these signings, you know, these trades that the Miami dolphins have made throughout history, you always end up, you know, on the short end of it, they never live up to expectations. And right now his 700 and, 11 yards and my right is 701. 700, 701. Yeah, 701 yards is first in the NFL. So, um, again, on pace to snap Megatron's record. And that was, you know, with the entire offseason of hearing, yo, what's going to happen to Tyreek Hill when he leaves Kansas City, when he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes, when he doesn't have this, that, you know, Tyreek Hill even looked at the one beat writer, I think it was. Marcel Luis Jacques, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, ESPN writer. He looked at him dead in the eyes and, you know, he said, I could put up n- numbers with you. That was like two or three weeks ago. And he's proven that he can, you know, whether it's Skylar Thompson, Teddy Bridgewater, Tua Tagovailoa, in and out of the lineup, whoever it is, Tyreek Hill has been everything we could expect and more. And I'm with Merrick. That's is the, the biggest, the best playmaker on offense. You know, the biggest trade the Dolphins have made in my lifetime and the biggest impact that we've seen. And it's only been six weeks.
2: Tua expected to play on Sunday. Teron Armstead trending in the right direction. Austin Jackson, I think he's designated a return, but it's kind of a will he, won't he type of thing that's still kind of up in the air. Guys, Byron Jones, real quick, a nice way to wrap up here. Mike McDaniel came out. He said, you know, it's hard when you're dealing with a very talented cornerback to put him out there when he's dealing with a lower body injury. Uh, But then he had this to say about Keon Crossett and Darth Cater's availability for Sunday. He said they both really want to play. They both definitely have a chance to only because they're trying to will themselves and it's important to them. I I'm going to give Byron Jones the benefit of the doubt. He's missed three, three games in his time with Miami. Uh, I don't think he's ever missed more than three games in a season before this year. Injuries happen, but the tone towards these, it just seems like, McDaniel on one end is talking about the process and giving Byron Jones a compliment. He's calling him a top tier quarterback, but then just kind of mentioning how Crosson and Darth Cater are just working their tails off. How important it is to them. That seems a little weird.
0: Yeah, I think there was another another indication from McDaniel earlier in the week that he's starting to get a little frustrated with Byron Jones and his uh, uh, unavailability, as it is. Um, but he, he said something to the effect of somebody asked him about Byron Jones's timeline. And McDaniel said, well, you know, I had a couple timelines in my head already about Byron Jones's return date and those to prove to be a little too optimistic. Those proved to be untrue. So I'm not really going to get into timelines anymore. And to me, that indicates that he had gotten some information, maybe from the doctors, maybe from Byron himself. Uh, and again, this is just me. This is a conjecture from me alone. Um, no inside sources this or is all like that. talking about the mail.
2: We're yeah, the mail.
0: I'm I'm trying to read between the lines here. And to me, it almost sounds like McDaniel is is like, yo, what's going on, dude? Like, are you really pushing to come back or are you happy to to sit at home and collect those game checks? Because if you remember in the offseason, there was uh rumblings about the Dolphins' interest in JC Jackson from the Patriots. He eventually went to the Chargers and was uh, and benched then, on Monday night. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, we know how to pick them, but, uh, (laughs) but, and then almost immediately, like 24 hours later, it's announced that Byron Jones gets ankle surgery in March when he could have gotten that done in January, but he waited until there were rumors that they were interested in trading Byron Jones and or cutting Byron Jones in favor of signing JC Jackson. And then all of a sudden, ow, 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 my ankle hurts. So Trying to read between the lines here. Maybe McDaniel's a little frustrated. Maybe the rest of the coaching staff is too. But another thing I heard this week from you know Dolphins players themselves is that Byron Jones has been in the building, mm-hmm. in the in the meetings. He's been helping people as best as possible. So I don't want to completely slander the man exactly. and, and attack his character. And hopefully we can see him back within a week or two. But if we don't, I'm starting to think, you know, I'm starting to wonder, will we see him?
3: at any point for the rest of the season, if he's not back within the next few weeks. And McDaniel has been asked that and he almost tiptoes around the question. So, um, you know, it's anybody's guess. I think, you know, I, we can look at this defense and can confidently say, you know, I've heard people say, could the, uh, one of the beat writers wrote an article, you know, would this defense be different if they had Brian Flores, you know, at, at the helm? Well, you know, do they miss him? I think if they miss anyone is Byron Jones, right? When you don't have that, you know, quote unquote, shutdown corner opposite of Xavier Howard, you know, what that does for the the front ability to get to the quarterback, you know, what it does for the rest of the secondary night and day. So I just hope at some point we see Byron Jones back there this season, because if not, I mean, I think that this relationship, you know, might be squandered. I mean, you mentioned the jc jackson rumor i think without question you know the there's something there because his surgery came out immediately after those trade rumors but um I, I just really hope that byron jones shows up and can help these dolphins you know push towards the playoffs because right now he's doing no good just sitting there and the dolphins even activate his 21 day window yet correct no no and and i don't want to go full Ben Vollin on this and, and uh,
0: quote some, some made up source here. So again, I just want to reiterate, we don't have inside sources saying that Byron Jones is trying to steal money from Steven Ross and the Miami dolphins, but you know, he does have that activation window that needs to happen soon. If he's going to get back to playing within the next three weeks. Um, and it just, it doesn't look good so far, but it, we're, we're staying in wait and see mode,
2: man. You hit the nail on the head. Um, Trey Flowers put on IR. I don't know if we mentioned that Nick Needham put on IR. And just to uh, you know mirror this point, where t- the, we are Charlie and always Sonny, who just smoked 14 cigarettes, 18 cups of coffee, and he's trying to find where Carol is in HR. That is the tone of these conversations. I think it's important to talk about. It's interesting. Brandon Jones, I like that he kind of defended him a little bit, so we'll just have to wait and see and keep an update on these injury reports. Merrick? joshua we're getting played off i want to thank you guys so much this has been a blast to talk with you both everyone out there thanks for putting up with us thanks for giving us a little extra time here and and dealing with us not having a monday show i don't want to promise we're going to get back on track but next week everything's going to try to be a little bit more normal but until then for finsider radio the jake and josh show and our fake ass dr merrick we'll talk to you next time fins
0: up
3: fins up